0: There it is, the countdown, I yeah, love yeah. is Isn't that countdown so, it's kind of intense and I, I kind of like it, it.
1: Like, I feel like I'm on, I don't know, some sci-fi <laughs> slash game show that Flash. gives me on my Star Wars knowledge and yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, it is, it's exactly what it's like. It's like a game show slash news show, but LinkedIn, Maybe you should change that to give us other options but actually it's not even linkedin that's streamyard so i shouldn't even blame linkedin but everybody who is out there welcome to recruiting is no joke episode 11. i am really excited today we have a great guest and uh, we're gonna have a great conversation but if you guys are out there as always just let us know who's out there just get in the, type, get in the uh, chat box tell us uh, company you're with, your role, just tell us a little bit about yourself. And then if you have questions for our guest today, or you have contributions, remember, get into the chat and we can display them on the screen and we can uh, open it up to you guys as well. But without any further ado, why, don't Laura, why don't you introduce yourself and yeah. uh, and then we'll, we'll get into the chat here.
1: For sure. So my name is Laura Gassman. I am the director of talent at 1906. Um, what else do you want me to talk about <laughs>
0: <laughs> best introduction ever I love that usually I'm having to be like okay cool just can you stop talking about yourself no no one, no one is ever like that um yeah so so uh, 1906 like what do you guys do um and you know I should have I should have actually given you a, a question to answer in the introduction I usually start with like how did you get in the recruitment uh, I always love to hear that story obviously we all know we fall in the recruiting no one really plans it uh, but maybe you did plan it. So I'd love to hear how you got into recruiting and uh, and yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll backtrack a little bit and talk about 1906 a little bit. Um, okay. So 1906, we are a multi-state operator in the cannabis space. Um, so we produce products that are sold on shelves at dispensaries. So we're not in the dispensary space. Um, we're in the like consumer packaged goods space. Um, So we're in eight states currently, always expanding, always growing, always moving. We do have plans to expand to additional states by the end of the year, which is super exciting. Um, So we're in- uh, Lots of
0: growth? Growth? The growth? I said lots of growth. Lots of
1: growth? No, we actually don't have (laughs) cultivations. We don't grow the plants in our facility. So Um, there's all these different facets of cannabis that um, no company is the same, which I think is the wildest part of our industry. So when people are looking to get into cannabis, it's even increasingly harder to target companies that you think you want to join because half the time you can't Mm -hmm. distinguish the difference between the two of them. So we don't grow, um, but we do have a product named Go. So that (laughs) kind of (laughs) rhymes.
0: Okay. So you guys are not in the cultivation, you're more like kind of with the, you doing the packaging and like the merchandising and, and kind of working with cultivators then to get their product on the shelf or do you have your own product?
1: So we, we utilize um, like distributors and suppliers for raw materials and then we physically make our products. So we do the Got production, it. the packaging, the marketing. Um, all that good fine stuff. So I like to think of it as like if you think of, like the nutraceutical space or like the vitamin space, they're a consumer packaged goods company. They probably buy their raw materials from another company. They compress them in tablets and pill forms or encapsulate them. And then they form relationships with retailers that then carry them on the shelves. So we're like that, that I want to say middleman, but kind of yeah. that that space, so we don't have actual retailers ourselves. So um, we're in eight states, Colorado, Oklahoma, Illinois, um, Massachusetts, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio. I think I got all eight. so um, so that's kind of who we are what we do. Um, as far as how I got into recruiting, it is that same old, same old story as I literally tripped and fell into it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, love I think it. it's so. pretty common.
1: Um, I always find it super interesting individuals that are wanting to move into the recruiting space
0: because well, of- it's it's a trend right now. I and and I blame I blame recruiters on LinkedIn for this, myself <laughs> included, but <laughs> I feel like we post this content and it's, you know, I mean, it's LinkedIn edgy or whatever people are engaged by it. But then I do think people are like, ah, I really want to get into recruiting. Yeah. And uh, we're like, no, you don't want to get into recruiting. Okay. It's just not how it happens. Yeah. Randomly happens. Okay. I mean, I think the stigma from the outsiders
1: about what recruiting actually is, is just like, it's so different, but it's like, We'll start with like the stigma of like my parents and my sibling. They see what I do for a living as like this super cushy like job that I'm just like on the phone, like ha, 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 laughing all day long with candidates and just having a good old social time. You know, um, my hiring managers think I'm literally a magician um, candidates think I'm a public servant. Um, so it's it's really interesting. i I love that people are wanting to get into this industry. Like I love it. and I love like mentoring like young professionals in their career and recruiting. like I love it. Um, But it's just so interesting because recruiting was never something that like when I was coming up through the career ranks that we talked about wanting to be and things of that nature. And then it's especially interesting because we're seeing a lot of our TA friends go through the, the downsizing. It's like being a TA or talent acquisition professional is a lot like working in oil and gas. You know, like you're hired, you do well, know the market
0: turns. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, BrightHire. The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore. And my friends at BrightHire are here to help. BrightHire is a leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process, improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again or you're on the agency side and it's amazing. You're not having to worry about clients and okay. You're worrying about how do I get hold of candidates, but then suddenly it starts to switch the other way. And it's like, ah, oh, I need to find clients to work with and candidates are coming to me left and right. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I do think, I mean, sadly a lot of people who've gotten into recruiting over the last couple of years, I do think that, you know, it's it's very easy to see that people who have maybe been in recruiting for like zero to two years, and I know I'm generalizing, but let's say zero to two years since COVID, uh, you know I th- I think a lot of those people might move on to different things, and then as we start to see, you know, maybe a decline in demand for recruiters, people start to leave, and then the the demand will go back up, and then we'll get a whole new batch of people, and it's just this. It's this really predictable cycle, and uh, I know I saw a post from yesterday from someone yesterday that was, you know, they're pretty active on LinkedIn. They were saying they're having a, like a terrible time in the job search, and they kind of fall in that bracket. I think of more, you know, I don't want to say entry level, but zero to two years of experience, and just it's brutal out there. Mm-hmm. And you're finding more and more experienced recruiters right now that are maybe willing to take a little bit less of a you know maybe a a lower position and and uh, and that's who they're up against and it's uh it's crazy so I don't want to go too far into that but yeah it's
1: it's nuts so um to backtrack so I fell into it (laughs) um so I started off my my first like big girl job um, was I was doing direct sales in retail stores is what I was doing. Um, and so I pretty much kept climbing my way through the ranks, kept on, um, moving up in that industry. And so eventually I went from being the salesperson to being the hiring manager, managing a team of sales professionals. And then I went to kind of almost that executive level where I was managing all of the sales professionals underneath me, and um, doing all of the HR, all of the compliance, all of the recruiting—you know, um, interviewing. Like this was back in the day when you had like rapid fire, like in-person interviews. Like it was like fifteen to twenty people in a day, like coming in and out of the office, like nuts. Um, but I loved it, and so when I started looking at new opportunities, I was like, okay, what did I learn from this? What do I like to do? And I was like, well, I like people, I like building relationships, and I love the development and recruiting piece of my role. Um, So I spent, I went from a hated profession of a direct sales professional to a brief stint in another hated profession in insurance. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of like recruiting too, you know, finding finding clients and, and helping um, kind of taking that consultative approach to help them through their daily life. Um, and then I went into a contract position where I was recruiting direct sales professionals. Um, and then I, I moved into the agency environment and spent a good chunk of my time in, in recruiting agencies, one of them um, an international agency that's very well known. Um, and then followed, I went to a boutique agency, a lot smaller, local, loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and I was actually specializing in placing HR professionals.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, not uncommon to kind of what you were doing before you transferred straight to BD, um, worked a full desk at both. Um, And then how I got to 1906 is I was posting a lot of content about recruiting for recruiters and um, a gal that was like on a fractional basis recruiting for 1906 reached out to me and was like, hey, do you think you could help me find a recruiter? Um, And so I did the order intake call, you know, asked all the right
0: questions. (laughs) Order intake, interview, same thing.
1: Asked all the right questions. And at the end, she was like you know, I, I have to ask
0: you, like,
1: would you be open to this position? And I was like, yeah, let's let's maybe continue the conversation, see where this goes. And like a week later, I accepted a job offer, cried and had to tell my old boss that I was leaving. It was so hard to leave. I I love that. Uh, such a good opportunity um, that I was at. Um, and I've been here ever since rocking and rolling, um, hired as the first internal, um, recruiter talent acquisition professional in the entire company. Um, and I think I'm technically the first HR hire as well. So, um,
0: that's kind of, so Are you doing kind of a balance between talent acquisition and HR right now, or is it no, more? Um, I don't think I could ever
1: have the bandwidth to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, HR sure. and recruiting, like they seem like they're kind of intertwined and they kind of are, but like the compliance side of HR, you know, yeah, is, is a different beast. Um, and I've done both before, but not in an organization of our scale. So we have a wonderful, wonderful HR specialist um, with our company. Her name's Valerie. Love her to death. Um, she does all the stuff that I probably would just really suck at. <laughs> so
0: I would I, I would also really suck at that. that, yeah. that I think mean, uh, You know, it's, it's, it, I think, I think, again, that's a big myth, right? That people have like from the outside is that HR and TA are the same thing, or, or somehow like you can be both and, and, uh, but that happens a lot too. When you're, when you're kind of the, one of the first, I guess ta people in an organization a lot of times you know founders will think that you can handle both and you are like you can do the onboarding and then you can do you know like uh, employee relations and all this sort of stuff and payroll maybe even if they if they really want to be mean but it's uh, obviously recruiting within itself is is a lot more challenging than people think um i'm, I'm curious like you were you were coming from agency Um, and obviously that's kind of where you spent a lot of time. So going back into an internal position, like, I guess for those that are maybe on the agency side and are thinking like, you know, maybe I do need to make a switch in the internal, like what was the biggest surprise for you in kind of making that transition and then taking that step further, what's, what's been like the biggest challenge in just being that first TA person and like, you know, having to, having to kind of start from scratch essentially so
1: i think the biggest shock to me in going back internal after being agency for so long was like when you're an agency recruiter and you're working a full desk like i used to say and i haven't been out in the sun much so my hair looks brown right now but i used to say that my hair was so red was because it was full of secrets in agency recruiting because It's like your job, especially when you're working a full desk, which means that you're doing the business development to bring in new clients and the recruiting to bring in candidates to fill the roles that you have. So when you're working a full desk, like your network is huge. Like, you know, all the gossip, you know, which employers in the area have the worst PTO policy or the worst pay usually or the worst culture. And it's like, you know, you can pull candidates from there for here. Um, And so when... I stepped into internal again, it's like my network went from this and talking to all these hiring managers of different companies to like, "Mm, I'm just in my own lane, in my own internal organization. So I think that was the biggest shock to me is I feel like I'm losing knowledge of my local markets because I'm Mm -hmm. not talking to all these different companies all the time. I'm just interviewing candidates and Instead of trying to drum up business as well to fill roles. Um, so I kind of missed that consultative feel to what I was doing in agency. Um, and then I think the the second part of that question of kind of being the first internal talent acquisition resource for an organization. Um, and I, I don't I don't know how you phrased it, whether whether it was the biggest shock or the most difficult thing. I mean Either. <laughs> there, was, there was not a whole lot in place. So like yeah. first week on the job, I'm implementing an applicant tracking system, you know, like there's resumes and all kinds of Google sheets and like Google drives everywhere. And I'm trying, I feel like I'm speaking a foreign language and I'm trying to merge all this and that. Um And, but it, it was fun. It was, it was like a puzzle. It was challenging. So I think, Stepping in, not only are you putting all these processes in place, but you're also having to just like you're if you're an agency recruiter, you're having to gain the trust of your hiring manager as like their partner and they're like the expert that they can rely on. Um, And so moving in and not having somebody in that place before and being the first one, you know. There, there's a period of time where it's like you're trying to walk on eggshells a little bit because uh, hiring managers are used to doing things a certain way, you know, um, and you don't necessarily want to um, like step in and be like, no, this is my game. This is my ball show. Like this This is the Laura show. This is the way we're going to do things. So the transition um, of of training other internal employees on how to work with a recruiter was something that was pretty new to me. And um, it, it it had its own set of challenges. But I think if you're not challenged, you're not learning. If you're not learning, like, it's not very fun. So um, there's definitely days that I like sit at my desk and I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> you know? um, but we're getting there. And the relationships that we formed with with all of us has gotten so good we've seen so much rapid growth um i think we've uh increased our internal headcount by like a hundred percent so wow. um it's been nuts it's been nuts but it's it's my kind of crazy like i love it I, I don't yeah going from agency is an adrenaline rush and then going into a position as the first ta person in a company it's an adrenaline rush. So, um, I didn't lose that piece of, of my job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of times people have an idea and I think agency recruiters in some ways, like, I mean, we've seen the the, kind of the arguments that can go online sometimes where yeah. Oh, going internal it's, you know, it's easy or it's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's not as hard as you know having to develop a business, for example, but, I mean obviously it's just it's different challenges and they're completely different skill sets and there's a different understanding and whether or not you're sitting in a team or you're the head of ta and you're the one who's planning the strategy there's a lot that goes into it and then even from like a recruiting standpoint when you're internal there's a lot of different things you have to think about where agency it's pretty black and white like you better get some candidates and get them submitted and you know make sure they're getting interviewed and 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 you know they're accepting the offers when they come out um and internal it's like you just you have a lot more you know relationship management i I think and and those types of things and at the end of the day if you make a hire you're those are the people you're going to be working with too so it's you're thinking about that as well like hey am i gonna i'm gonna see this person in six months a year two years i think agency yes we build relationships but you're not hiring the people you're like working with so it's just it's it is it's a lot different and uh I'm, I want to go to the chat real quick. because I know we had a lot of people that said hi. So I just want to say hi to a couple. So we've got Tally, Nathan. Good to see you, David, Brian, Serbi, or LinkedIn user. It just means it, it's been blocked. I don't know why that happens, but Francisco, Irina, Autumn. Great to see you, Wesley, Allison, Jennifer, Megan, Kelly. Got a lot of people out there today. Uh, Kate said, I sadly wanted to get in recruiting back in 2015, 16. Had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you now know. Um, and then I'm sure see. there's
1: support groups at like local churches just for recruiters at this. Yeah, point.
0: recruiter, recruiter, <laughs> anonymous. Uh, back back in my agency days, could not tell you how many folks lasted less than a month once they got the job. I, you know, I, to me that's more like the agency's fault than really anything. But uh, let's good recruited, okay? And then. Are you guys outsourcing HR? Not sure, Um, but everyone, everyone out there, it's great to see you. If you've got specific questions for Laura as well, let's get down to that. Um, and then Rick said, you helped convince me. To- oh, no, look at this. This is not good advertising. Joel, you helped me convince me to leave Aerotech and go internal. I'm so glad I did. I didn't mean to make you leave Aerotech or convince you to, but I'm glad you're happy. And uh,
1: Well, it looks like he said he went back to agency oh, because I missed the competition.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Well, yeah. I convinced you to leave, and then, uh, and then you went back. I just came back to an agency. It was almost entirely because I miss the competition well hey that's that's part of it though too you know it's like you figure out what you want um and hopefully the agency is a good place as well and aerotech's a great agency for training and so is you know some of these agencies that are really big are really great for training um some of them have questionable cultures we won't get into that but uh yeah, I, I love that. And Endeavor said, I'm glad Tima developed a structure where recruiters and client managers can really thrive. That is great news as well. I've heard good things about Tima. So yeah, if you guys have questions for Laura as well, I, I'd love to, to get that. We were talking beforehand. I want to want to get back to the conversation here, obviously. But we were talking beforehand about um, some of the, you know, the challenging hourly roles at the end of the day that you're hiring for. And we had a conversation last Friday, uh, an audio chat, Hirewell did it it around like logistics and supply chain. We had one of our supply chain leaders um, and, you know, very similar types of roles in terms of like the same type of pay. These aren't roles that you're just going to be able to jump on LinkedIn and send 10 in-mails. So walk me through just like some of the things that you found with like recruiting, you know, maybe more hourly roles or these, um, you know, quote unquote, less professional positions like what are some of the strategies that you've seen working, and what are some of the challenges out there, and and uh, you know how do you manage that kind of like high volume recruiting um, with some of the other roles that you have as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. So for my high volume positions, um, which it, it isn't necessarily that I have high volume as in multiple of this, like 40 of the same position to fill on one listing. It's more so high volume because of the amount of conversations that you're having to find the right person. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's also, it's interesting recruiting for those types of roles lots of times because Um, you know, when you get up to director level or VP of supply chain, you know, you can look at resumes when you're going through your application review and be like, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, you know, and figure out who you want to talk to. But for these hourly positions, you know, yes, you need to have a resume, you know, I want to see where you worked. But these aren't professionals that are going out and haven't been creating resumes usually for 20 years. Um, and so they don't have as much of that data on there. So it it is a lot more actually speaking to the candidates because um, you really for the hourly position, you really can't judge a book by its cover um so you can't look at the resume and and immediately be like no this isn't the right fit
0: and and then you go on primarily to like what uh, like indeed and like zip recruiter these these types of sites
1: indeed zip recruiter um there's uh uh, agency that specializes in cannabis that scrapes our jobs for us and puts them on their site which is so helpful
0: is that um, who, which agency is that banks
1: that's thanks does yeah. that um i believe it's a free service i'm pretty sure um and so so helpful because that's usually a, a stop where people go when they want to get into cannabis um it but it's How I how I do it is I try to spend certain days of the week right now. It's Monday and Wednesday that those are the days that I strictly focus on that. And then I'll spend like two or three hours in the afternoon focusing on application review and sourcing for other roles. Um, But it's a grind. um, And I think kind of the best way to go about it is, number one, trying to limit how many interviews somebody has to have everywhere. But like for those, like, you got to get these people hired quickly. You got to make the decision. The process can't be super long. So like when, when we're ready to move, like we got to move. Yeah. Period. Um, and so kind of all over the place, I know I was talking to you about how I'm thinking about maybe posting on Craigslist um, they're just different groups of individuals um, as far as the job boards that they do use and the what attracts them to a position in a listing, you know. For a VP of supply chain, like the listing may be very long, but for these roles, they they need to be short. Like somebody needs to be able to read this, say yes or no, apply the button, not have a ton of extra things to type in. Like it needs to be easy for the candidate, in order for hiring for us to be easy.
0: How are you? How are you finding it with um, just in general? I guess, I guess with like retention with with those roles as well. I mean, is that is that a challenge or like how are you? how are you kind of working to build in retention from the start? Cause obviously you don't want to just, you know, be onboarding people and then three months later they're leaving. So like, what do you guys have in place to, to kind of retain? Yeah, for that? sure.
1: Well, I'm going to speak as an industry as a whole. There's a statistic out there that the, in the cannabis industry, 60% of individuals that move into that industry leave in less than three months. 60 that's, that's nuts why
0: why do you think that is
1: um all kinds of reasons um you know they they have a, a term it's like working in cannabis is like working in dog years um <laughs> because i mean right now just to think about it there's 39 different states across the united states that have legalized cannabis every state Since we're not federally regulated or we're not federally legalized, every single state has different rules, different regulations. What goes in Ohio doesn't go in Michigan or vice versa. So it's not just working in the the cannabis industry, it's working in 39 different industries with different Mm. rules. Um, so I think kind of that unpredictability, things always changing, having to be agile, I think that adds a lot to it. Um, I think that, um, you know, you, you got to be kind of scrappy um, and be adaptable in order to excel. Um, and then the other part is we're still all can't, I don't care which cannabis organization you are out there, nobody is reinventing the wheel right now. Everybody's inventing the wheel, they're trying to figure out their internal structure, their processes, everything. So it's organized chaos no matter where you are. Um, and so that oftentimes leads to burnout. You know, you're hired to do this, and then all of a sudden you have a little bit more on your plate. And so, if if the underlying passion to work in the industry and the underlying okay, like whatever it takes, like let's do this, like I'm so excited about this, Um, you can see some trickle out and some burnout. Um, And so, uh, the the retention in general is just super harsh. Like,
0: well, I think I think too, just you know. I don't know if you saw that article today uh, on LinkedIn. It was about Amazon's churn and their warehouses. It's really interesting. They basically, I think it's a third of, they said that in 2021, a third of their employees in the warehouse lasted less than 90 days. And they also said that, I think it's like if they continue at this rate, then like by 2024, they'd actually not be able to hire anybody that hasn't worked in their warehouse before. So they're kind of like going through the job pool. So I think there's a retention, issue, like just in general, and especially with like hourly roles, but it's interesting that um, that can even then have even nuances with from like industry to industry as well. Um, but it's, it's 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 fascinating, because it's like, I don't know, you know, it's hard to solve problems like that. And, and I think with hourly roles in general, it's so it's just it's so tough. And it's like the amount of work you have to do to get a hold I, I honestly think that getting a hold of people in hourly roles is a lot more challenging than, you know, like C-suite positions or yeah. um, executive. Cause it's, it's, it's just like, it's like grasping, I don't know. Like
1: I mean, you gotta story. pivot. You gotta be able to pivot the hourly roles. Like you need to be text messaging candidates. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you, like if like one of the questions I'll ask if we need to do a video interview is do you have an iPhone because iMessage or not iMessage. Facetime is like ten times easier to figure out than a Zoom or a Google. Interesting.
0: Google. I never um, even thought about you, that.
1: You you gotta you gotta pivot and like think about what makes sense to them in order to make your recruiting make sense in recruiting these people.
0: Well, we got got a couple of questions here, and hopefully, uh, I want to want to get to a couple of them because I, I think. Well, Brian, first of all, he said. For the you know for hourly roles definitely need to put the comp on the job posting and if possible have some screening questions with the ATS. Is that something you guys are doing? Like you have yeah,
1: so our hourly rates are on every single role that um I recruit yeah. for it doesn't matter the state, it doesn't matter the law, that's just how I roll. Um, and then what was the second part of that he said?
0: Yeah, just had like to have some screening actually in the ATS. So and like I think indeed they do that, right? Where like you can ask like three or four questions
1: yeah so i don't i don't actually post jobs on indeed they're automatically posted for me through Through the ATS tracking system um but it just depends on the role i don't like to do a ton of extra questions because i think they're annoying to fill out like you lose people in the application process and at the end of the day like i like this well, it, you,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to make it easier for people to to apply. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see where like it could save time, but then you could also lose people as well. Yeah. And then you could argue, well, if someone's not willing to fill out four questions, and are they going to be dedicated job? But then you got to look at the job too. So, uh, interesting. I'd be I'd be curious to hear from Brian too, kind of what roles he's recruiting for. Uh, Sasha said. Is the resume, the only indicator for an interview, um, I would, I, I guess, is there, is there, are you looking at anything else outside of resumes? Like, especially with these hourly roles?
1: Um, I mean, referrals come usually before resumes, but a resume is provided with a referral typically. Um, so like referrals, I value so, so much from our internal employees, like, yeah, like y'all are out there. You can, att- they're, they're a walking testimonial. I work for this company. I freaking love it. I think yeah. you'd be good for it. Laura, here's this person. Like, please call them. Cool. Absolutely. Top of the list. But as far as a resume for the only thing for an interview.
0: I mean, are I you know. doing like reference checks or anything? Like you do those before? Or like you do those through the process mm. or Do you have to do any. No, manual? no, no. Yeah.
1: I, if I'm doing reference checks, it's usually because we are stuck between two candidates, um, and we want some additional feedback of somebody that's worked with them. But I would never ever do a reference check on somebody that we weren't seriously consider considering hiring. Like they weren't at the end of the process. I think that'd be silly.
0: Got it. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh... Let's see, uh, someone else, someone, well, Carrie said, and I think this is, this is something which I'd be, I'd be interested. She just said, I've had several employers, not want to talk to someone after they came out of the cannabis industry, which, you know, I mean, I think I've heard that, you know, before, maybe not so much recently, uh, but, you know, is that something which, you know, you see changing or has changed or is out there and like how, I guess, what are your thoughts with this?
1: Well, now that I'm in it, I don't <laughs> as much. But
0: um,
1: before, when I was working in agencies, I was working on a fractional basis and actually doing a lot of recruiting as an agency recruiter for cannabis companies. Um, but when I was, I was in agency in Colorado, and I literally would be presenting a candidate on the phone to a hiring manager, and they checked every single box. They were the perfect fit, the salary matched. Um, and I, I had hiring managers outside the cannabis industry say, "No, we don't want professionals that come from that industry," which I think is bananas. Um, but stigma, it, it exists. It, it does. Um, I mean, that's got to
0: be. It's got to be changing though, more and more. I mean,
1: I think it's definitely changing, but. Uh, I don't know like it depends on the the company you know like there's a company in denver that they are family-owned company they're very well known like in order to join the company they cut your hair to do a drug test like not just a p test not like wow like it's not a defense industry either which yeah so like for that company they're not open to candidates from coming from cannabis because they don't align with the family values of the founder. Um And so it's, it's a crapshoot. Um But I think it's companies are doing themselves a disservice by not by eliminating immediately eliminating cannabis professionals, because it, this industry is a different beast. And if somebody can survive a year in cannabis, like, they will knock it out of the park for so many other organizations.
0: Well, like you said, I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of innovation. there's a lot of like you know people who are putting the get putting together processes and and these things that have never been done. So you know there's a lot of smart people involved. Um, so it's interesting. I mean I, I, I definitely I could just see it. I mean it's like anything like kind of old habits, I think and thinking for people you know I can it can die hard. Uh, Wesley said, and I'm I'm not 100% sure here, so maybe you could help. He says, "What TA tools do you folks use to tar- target uh, JICs for fair chance roles? Um, any thoughts on that?"
1: Um, excuse my
0: <laughs> JICs. I'm not actually JIC. Yeah, not sure, Wesley. Maybe you could give us a uh, maybe you could give us an idea of what what you're referencing there. I love these questions guys so this is uh this is really good um let's see if there's any other questions here kind of a little conversation going on. no I, I i love that well I, I feel like um you know i i wonder if if does that create a challenge then for you guys hiring like how do you how do you like going back to this whole idea of you know the stigma around the industry like i is that something that you that impacts like when you bring people on or like, how do you address that and obviously it's going to differ from role to role, but let's say if, if it's more of like a leadership role or, a, you know, more, like an operations leader or something like that. Um, is that something that comes up in conversations or like even right now with like the economy and the way it is. Yeah, do people see it as like more of a risky move like. Hey, I want something more stable. Like what, what, what are you hearing in conversations that you haven't?
1: Well, I think it depends on the category of the position. So typically I, I, it's a non-issue for all positions minus one department, which is the department that is known to mitigate risk, which is accounting. So accounting professionals that are open to cannabis are probably a smaller chunk than every other department um and so i I think that's the hardest one but people it is just like reaching out to anybody about a role you know if you don't directly reply or apply and i source you and i tell you about our role tell me yes tell me no that's all that matters if you're not interested you're not interested i'm not going to push it on you everybody has their own reasons but if you're interested heck yeah let's go um and so I'm not trying to change minds if somebody, if it doesn't align with their personal values, that's fine. Um, but I mean, for those operations, like director level roles, I, I mean, we have a lot of professionals that are inside our organizations that are not consumers, but they have seen how powerful cannabis has been for somebody directly related in their life, whether it be their grandmother, their mother. Um, their aunt, their uncle, whoever, um, and so they have just as much passion to push the the agenda forward for legalizing cannabis and getting cannabis in the hands of consumers, um, even if they're not consuming themselves. So um, I think again, it, it goes back to you gotta have a lot of passion about it, um, and that passion you don't have to be a consumer to do so, um, and so that's that's people always think, you know, like, oh, you work in cannabis, like, because all you ever do all day is smoke pot. Well, no, like, I, I work. Um, but you don't have to be a consumer to love the industry and work in the industry.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it makes, it makes sense. And we did get some clarification here, too. So justin, justice involves citizens, uh, folks with backgrounds. Uh, is that an issue? I mean, I, I guess I didn't really think about that. Like, is there any kind of, like, limitations you have for hiring people with with backgrounds or anything like that so i mean social justice
1: and diversity in cannabis is a huge issue huge 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 um i mean y- you look at the thought leaders in the cannabis space they're usually white male um and just the cannabis industry in general. It's ridiculous. I mean, the amount of capital that somebody has to have to even start up a cannabis company is absurd. Um, on top of that, getting capital is difficult because we're not federally legal. You can't get go to a bank that's federally insured and ask for a business loan. You can't do that. Um, so well, to- yeah,
0: can you? I remember, like, I used to work at uh, First Bank of Colorado, and this was maybe. 2013 and I mean I don't even think we could open up checking accounts or it was like maybe there was a couple but it was like even with like the credit card and the merchant yeah uh, services like we couldn't do that so uh, and I think that was like right around the time it became legal Uh,
1: yeah banking is a hot mess express it's it's a hot mess um I mean it's it's a different beast but I mean that causes so much lack of diversity in professionals that are able to be entrepreneurs in this community is the amount of capital it takes to get started and licensed and all that good fine stuff. And then the the double whammy is there's restrictions on licensings to um, f- like people with drug felonies related to cannabis. Like why, why? Um, So as far as like justice involves citizens, um, it really depends unfortunately on the role and the regulations and the rules and the requirements. Is this person, a can this person get a badge? If they can't get a badge, can we put them in a position that's not plant touching directly so that they can be involved in the organization but us still be in compliance? Um, so it's a double edged sword. Yes. And no, it, it depends on what the, um, what
0: What the the position is. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, no, that's a, that was a good question. And we've got, got a couple of other questions here, but, uh, you know, I want to be mindful of your time here. And usually, uh, you like to wrap things up around the 40 to 45 minute mark. So I know we're going to go a little bit longer, uh, but how I always like to end the show, um, you know, just for like the we talked about a little bit at the beginning, right? These zero to two year recruiters that you know, obviously it's it's going to be a tougher time right now, and it's a tough time if you got laid off. Um, and you know, what advice would you have for somebody who is maybe in that situation, not necessarily laid off, but like zero to two years, they're in recruiting, we're we're about to to kind of go through a, a kind of a more challenging time. Like, what advice would you have for somebody? Uh, that's maybe thinking is this the right field for me like what would you what would you say to that person
1: oh man
0: what would you say to a younger version of yourself
1: (laughs) oh god i would say a lot to a younger version of myself (laughs) but as far as maybe that that tough spot that zero to two two year mark i think when people jump into recruiting like it's it's instant. You either say, this is my kind of crazy, or you're like, hell no, get me out of here. I don't think there's a whole lot between. Um, So I'm big on going with my gut on so, so many things. And if you're like, I don't really like this, um, then don't like it. Don't do it. Um, Shift into, I, I mean, recruiters, we have so many transferable skills, whether it be become an executive assistant, or you can be more on the analytics side of things, or maybe you don't like talking to people, but you'd be a really good recruiting coordinator. Um, so there's so, so many transferable skills. Um, I will always, always preach that if you're having a hard time breaking into recruiting agencies, like the big ones, like, yeah, some of them have some cultural issues and the KPIs suck, but if you can stick it out in agency recruiting at one of the big boxes for 12 months a year, I think I was with my international agency for like a year, exactly. And then I've just started getting blown up in my in-mails for opportunities. Um, And so I think if you're trying to get into recruiting, don't rule agencies out. Not only is it a good way to get great training, but if you're working a full desk, you get to know the market, you get to know the internal culture of companies, and it's like, you can kind of window shop, you know, like, oh my gosh, this company is terrible, but I would have never known that if I was an agency recruiter or this co- company I would have never known about because they're smaller, but their culture is awesome. So I think I, I'll, I will all day preach about agencies is, is a great way to get started, or if you're stuck, return to
0: I would say, I want to say nine out of the 11 guests that we've had on the, on this internal show, um, have, have had agency in their background at some point. And I spoke to someone else the other day that just said like agency. I mean, it's the, you know, it, it's, it really is like the, the training ground for so many. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there are definitely people who start in an internal position and great if that happens and that's. And that works out for you that that's awesome um but i also just think from like being on agency side and then going internal and then knowing how to work with agencies and which agencies are good and like understanding how things work it's 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 valuable because there has to be some point where internal and agency understand how to like have a good working relationship and how hey we don't want to see layoffs then you know maybe consider <laughs> working with agencies more so we avoid this stuff, and you know, if, if if at the end of the day the only reason you you're not working with agencies or you're building up your internal team is to save money, then what happens when the money savings aren't there because maybe hiring slows down? Then you then you're playing with people's lives. So uh, yeah, I think I think that's great advice, and uh, I know a couple of couple of people. One person actually, uh, Eric, he just he actually asked how does someone get into the cannabis industry. I don't want to ask that necessarily right now, but Eric, if you want to reach out to Laura and Um, you know, find her, I'm going to put, I'm going to tag her on this post. I don't think it allowed me to tag it when I made it, but I'll put her info on there and just send her a quick DM and, and I'm sure she'll be able to, to give you some info. Yeah. Uh, Where where is the best place to find you? I'd be happy. So the best way to figure out the conversation
1: of how to get into cannabis is reaching out to agencies in cannabis. Um, so, um, Shannon, I think her last name is Park Hill. She's with Banks. Awesome. Um, Kelsey, I can't remember her last name with flower hire. Awesome. Um, Alessandra R can't remember her company name. Awesome. Eric at force brands. Awesome. So it's, it's great to find a cannabis agency. Um, and you can pick their brain. They. they have- I'll, I'll
0: try and tag a couple of the agencies on the post too, just in yeah. the comment section. I know Banks for sure, but maybe some of these other ones, uh, you know, maybe even just going to the post afterwards and just tagging a couple of recruiters that might be, uh, that might be helpful as well. Yeah. Uh, what about like just in connecting with yourself? Like where, where can people find you? LinkedIn, LinkedIn.
1: Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you can, if you are really interested in working with our company and there is a role that you feel is a good fit for you, please, please, please apply directly. Um, It can be a little bit hectic, crazy brain going throughout the day. So like 15, 10 minute coffee chats. If I did that with everybody, I would never be able to work my full-time job. Um, but uh, I directly, we have a name your own job posting on our careers page. So if you don't see something that you feel is an interesting fit, but you want your resume to be in our applicant tracking system and be a prospect if something does come available, apply there. Um, I'm pretty good at messaging on LinkedIn and responding. I'll give referrals to people that somebody can use if I can't provide the service myself um I am good at responding unless you are asking me to review your resume and find a position for you because I don't do that
0: no I I get that yeah I get get a lot of messages like that too or the brain picking that one's my favorite which I shouldn't say that because I've got some friends who recently asked me if they can pick my brain and I'm like okay sure but we're friends uh I call that conversation but Laura, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Super cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is our first conversation too. So I, I love. love, yeah. I love one of the things that I love about live show is like, you get to have real conversations. It's non-scripted and a lot of times they are first conversations with people I've been connected to for a long time. So, uh, I really appreciate your content on LinkedIn as well. And just the, the conversation that we've had as well, just really appreciate that. And, uh all the advice that you've given as well I know it's going to be valuable um guys for everyone who's out there I know Eric Brian Michaela uh Supana Wesley uh I could keep going here I'm going to keep going because there's quite a few more people but Mohammed, Annie Keller Kelly Jennifer Demetrius Autumn Irina thank you so much guys for tuning in and uh and commenting um Got some big news here as well. We, we're, I'm lining up a couple of sponsors for uh, for shows in the future, so that's going to be uh, cool. And, and I'm actually going to be taking all of the audio from all of these episodes and putting them on iTunes, Spotify, um, and really anywhere you can find a podcast. And you'll, you're going to be able to hopefully by the end of this week um, see the link for that in my link tree, so you'll be able to go and hear this episode and all the past episodes as well uh but i appreciate all you guys if you have questions uh for either of us follow connect find us on linkedin and uh we will see you guys next week uh let's see who my i'll make the announcement i can't think off the top of my head who the guest is but uh, it'll be a great guest as well so uh again laura thank you so much and uh well, well, yeah. Look at that. I should do. I should do. I do that on Zoom.
1: I love waving hello and goodbye. I'm just like that type of person. So.
0: Well, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna hit the end broadcast, and I'll have you just uh, stay behind too for just a second here. So
1: awesome. Thanks, broadcast.
0: Joel. All right. Let's see. And I, it's a delay.